first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. This week on the show, we have a panel from Vulture Festival, which happened in LA last weekend. There was just so much great stuff at the festival this year, and it felt wrong to deprive you. So expect to see more from the festival in the coming weeks. Today, it's the reunion of Third Rock from the Sun. Marking the 25th anniversary of the show's premiere, the panel featured John Lithgow, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, French Stewart, and Christian Johnson, and many surprises, like the most I've ever seen in one panel. Created by former SNL writers Bonnie and Terry Turner, Third Rock followed four aliens studying Earth by posing as a family. It was a really weird sitcom and, and super funny. The panel was actually the first time the main family members were in the same place together since the show's finale 20 years ago. So everyone was really emotional, hugging and kissing and showing photos on their phones of their kids and grandkids. It was all very sweet and the audience was like on fire. They're like, they've been waiting 20 years. This is not a show that's particularly heralded at the time. So it did feel like this is a small club of people who are obsessed with this thing. At the center of this chaos was the reunion's moderator, Catherine Van Arendonk, my friend, colleague, and co-host of my Patreon podcast, The Specials. So, here is the Vulture Festival reunion of Third Rock from the Sun. Hello, and I am Catherine Van Arendonk, and I am just beyond thrilled to welcome you to this Third Rock from the Sun reunion panel. As you know well, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt, John Lithgow, French Stewart, and Kristen Johnston, and I... So when was the last time you all saw each other together? All four at once? Yeah. When we shot the final Yeah, episode. I think so. Really? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's been today. that long. Wow. wow. We are so honored to have you all here. Um, the first thing that I wanted to ask, uh, John, I know that uh, you had told a story a couple years ago that you were offered the part of Fraser Crane. 
and did did not take it because you didn't want to do episodic television. But then they pitched you this, and you said yes. And my question is like, what was it about this that Frasier did not get for you? But like, this was the thing you were like, I have to say yes to this. Well, I listen. This whole Frasier thing, uh, I actually didn't even remember really? it being offered to me. I just simply it was not in my it my in my sort of how I imagined. I was never going to do a sitcom. Sure. I, I was sort of am, ambushed by Bonnie and Terry Turner and Carsey Werner and Karen Mandebach at our, this historic breakfast where I thought I was just having a, a chummy breakfast with Bonnie and Terry, my old friends from their SNL writing days. And I sat down and saw the whole power structure of Carsey Werner and I realized I'm being pitched. And... I just thought, how am I going to say no and get out of this as gracefully as I can? It was it fell to Terry to pitch this thing to me, and the first thing he said, "Well, it's about these four aliens," and I my heart just sank. I thought, "Oh my God, how did I get into this?" And five minutes later, he'd persuaded me to do this. It was such an incredible premise, and. Uh, they, they had completely tailored it for my particular lunacy. They'd gotten a little glimpse of it when I'd hosted SNL and they were on the writing staff. And it, it just, they just changed my entire life in five minutes. Yeah. And yeah. that was the beginning of the process of putting together the four of us. Yeah. So, um, so French, I feel like your character defines kind of the outer boundaries of how weird these people are going to be. How much of that was sort of in the character that was originally pitched to you, and how much of that was sort of you driving it farther into weirdness? I think, <laughs> I think it was a mix, because it, it was weird on the page, uh, and I'm weird. <laughs> So it just, uh, but they, th the great thing about it was they, uh, they gave us a lot of latitude where if you came up with an idea, uh, they, would, they were open to it. Yeah. And that's not always like that. And so you could pitch them something and they would either say yay or nay, but it, it sort of opened it up and then gradually they figure out how to write for you. But I just kind of felt like, uh, you know, just go for it. I just felt like it was a, he was sort of going to be a, a perverted Urkel. Sure, love yeah. that. You know, <laughs> and, then, I, I, and then I went and did like ten years in uh, TV jail afterward. <laughs> no doctor parts for me. <laughs> I, I promise not to take more than my share of time. No, of course. But I was there when French walked in to, to yes. audition for this, and it was at the. We'd already seen about twenty people for the role of Harry, and he walked in, and we suddenly understood what was funny about Harry. Mm. It was completely his creation. Mm -hmm. and, and the writers, many of whom I believe are here tonight, raise your hands, writers. Yes, yes. yes. Oh. They just knew so brilliantly how to write for him. I, and I, I yeah. will tell you, the exact same thing happened with him and with her. Yeah. They walked in and everybody else just dropped off the page. So, I mean, incredible. Um, Joseph, I know you were so young and then basically grew up on this show 
that is about the weirdness of being a person. And I was trying to imagine what that must have been like as an adolescent. And it seems like it would either be just incredibly awkward all the time or actually kind of perfect because adolescence is about this like weirdness of being a person. It's the latter. Yeah, it's exactly perfect because uh, being adolescent, you feel like an alien. You feel out of place all the time. And then the punchline is that feeling never stops. <laughs> and I just never stopped feeling like an alien and out of place all the time, but I had gotten used to it and figured out what was funny and joyful about that. So it set me up on a good path for life, I think. I, I watched the show, when I watched the show, um, you know, I was seeing it uh, on rerun. Like I was, I was in middle school and high school was watching the show. And I remember watching jokes where it was like, I don't, I'm probably too young to get this. And I'm curious, like if there were jokes that you were like, I don't really know if I quite understand what's happening. Yeah, I'm sure there were. Um, but, I mean, and this speaks to what you were asking before about how much French brought to it and, and I think how much everybody brought to it. And the writing was incredible, but I, I don't mean to say but after that clause, but, um, but the rehearsal process on Third Rock taught me so much about what you could really do as an actor because you're not just showing up and shooting that day. Yeah. You, you rehearse for four days and just try to make each other laugh and try different things and riff off of each other. And they, were, they knew all about doing that. And I had grown up like working on shows and movies where you learn your lines and then you come and do the thing. And so I feel like that kind of uh, collaborative... Uh, brainstorming and and uh, creativity it was such an explosion for me and uh, I I tribute so much of what I now consider my sense of humor and, and sense of uh, being a, an artist yeah. to what I learned just coming to work every day with with them yeah Kristen I mean so one of the other things again I was in middle school high school watching the show keep and saying it yeah sorry you were, you were really young we get it yeah <laughs> But what I wanted to but what I wanted to say was I I remember looking at Sally and saying she is looks like other characters I had seen in other sitcoms beautiful always beautifully made up fashionably but you play her in a way that undermines all of these gender norms that I was seeing on other shows yeah. and I was so fascinated by like I mean I remember looking at it being like oh that's a possibility <laughs> And I wanted to know, you know, how you felt about sort of all of the like gender play and like sort of pointing out all the stereotypes, undermining all of these ideas that we have about gender. Well, I basically am a drag queen anyway. So <laughs> that's kind of how I played her. Um, and it was really a collaborative effort. Obviously, the writers really, I think Bonnie especially <clears throat> and Christine Zander really loved writing for her. I think they all did. I loved writing for all of us, but I think there was something about writing this particular woman. And then like Melina Root, uh, the costume designer and Johnny Foam, they, they, we all worked together to get the look right. You know, I said, I want her to kind of look like a hot lesbian. And, um, and so it was just this collaboration that kind of came together. I just, honestly, I'd never read a script like that. Like John was talking about the pilot. The pilot, like, I was just like, no one else can play this. Like, I have to do it. And I had to go back, like, eight times to keep telling them, like, I seriously have to play this or I'll fucking kill you, yeah. for real. Yeah. 
So um, so that was how yeah, that yeah, worked out. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. And then la- only later did I really understand kind of how uh, sort of the fem- feminine stereotypically bendy she was, yeah, if that's yeah, yeah. even a phrase. Sure, but sure. Anyway. Um, so you also spend uh, a lot of time with uh, an incredible Wayne Knight who yes. plays uh, Don. Yeah, um, I wonder, is there like a scene that you can think of that's like a, a really perfect, incredible Sally Don scene? Well, I, you know, probably our first one, but like every scene that we ended up doing together was just ended up turning, just because of us, just turning into a film noir scene. I mean, it just, I don't know how it happened, it just sort of happened. Yeah. And um, it was honestly like playing the Donnie and Sally scenes were just heaven. They really yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. He's just so fun to act with. Hello, Sally. <gasps> ah! <laughs> oh! Yes! Where? Where? Oh! Where? <laughs> Wayne Knight, everyone. Um, Wayne! <laughs> I am so pleased that we kept the surprise. So... Do you remember the process of auditioning for Don? Like how, did you, had you seen the show? It, it wasn't really like that in a weird way. I was doing um, Seinfeld and we're on Radford, you know. A little well, show. We're on Sounds CBS great. Radford and I'm walking, and uh, the last time, this is a long story. Um, Terry Turner and I went to college together at the University of Georgia. I was an undergraduate student just starting. He was a graduate student just leaving. We were in this little dormitory area. Uh, he was in one, uh, uh, you know, apartments, and he was in one, I was in the other, and we did a play together called Jimmy Shine, and uh, that's where I met Terry, and he was just so full of life, you know, at that time. And then I, I ran into them in New York, uh, walking down the street, Bonnie and Terry, and, you know, standard actor kind of thing. You're like, oh, you're doing SNL, that's great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I didn't think anything of it. And then I'm on the lot at Radford. Third Rock has started. I run into Bonnie and Terry, and they say, you know, we'd really love to write a show for you. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> uh, they said, but I've, we've got too much to do, and we're doing this, and, and I've got something with Whoopi Goldberg, and I got this other thing, and this, this thing, and that thing. We can't really do it. Would you like to come over to Third Rock and, and be on Third Rock for a while while we figured it out? I said, yes. <laughs> and uh, then I sold the idea that I was going to be doing two shows at the same time to Seinfeld. I said, they're putting me on the front of the bus, you fucking... <laughs> <laughs> And that's how. Can happened. I just say though, they kept trying to find a boyfriend for Sally the first year, and there were like all these hot guys, and it just wasn't working. And like, no, no, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. I meant like young, modelly guys. I know, you know how you I meant it. You know what I meant. So he comes out as Officer Don, and right away it was just—it's chemistry. You can't. We follow. had this it's just, strange in that first scene. Yeah, it was just, just like, like oh. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think what we figured out is it was like pheromones that you would get in a room and you could just sense that she was in the room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 So, Incredible. So we never had to even see each other. Just I, you know, I was watching um, 
John, you were on Conan, I think, last year, and you mentioned that one of your favorite scenes was this Lord of the Dance scene. Oh, oh man. This was a du- Like, both of you were yeah. in this incredible choreographed <laughs> dance scene. How long did it take you to learn this dance? Oh, this like 17 minutes. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> everything on Third Rock happened fast. And we had this fantastic choreographer. Somebody say her name. Marguerite Artura. Marguerite. Yes. Oh. And she, she whipped this thing together so fast. She'd done her research. She knew all about exactly how they stood and how they moved their feet. And, you know, it, it started with me so ecstatic. I have to tell you, there, it was among all of us, we couldn't wait to get that guy, Guy uh, Flatley. Yeah. Yes. We, we just thought he was such an asshole. And, and, and so they wrote this episode where we basically got him. Uh, instead of the lord of the dance, it was the, the king of the jig. And, and I went off to see him uh, with uh, Dr. Albright and came out so incredibly excited all by myself. I just started dancing. And then Jane started dancing, and then Wayne started dancing, and then the whole, and then Eileen gets God rest her soul, she started dancing, and then the whole crowd were, were, were swirling with Irish dance. And Guy Flatley was somewhere cursing us. <laughs> that was one of those scenes, like, I was like, I was so happy I wasn't in it during rehearsal. And then after I saw it, I was like, damn it! You know, it was just great. But you got to, you got to do the stomp, the, the uh, dustbin stomp. Remember that? When we strapped garbage can lids yeah. to our feet, oh, yes. 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 Marguerite did that yeah, one too. Yeah, yeah. And then all together, the four of you got to do the uh, incredible serenading. Uh, that's amore. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, truly, I think for, as I was going back and revisiting the show, and was sort of beginning from the first season and watching through that scene was when I was like, oh, this is the this is how weird this show is. <laughs> yeah. You know, really so pulls arbitrary. it together. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the other things, as I was going back and looking through, just incredible guest cat stars would oh show God. up. I'm curious if there's guest roles that uh, you remember as being just you were so excited about, or I mean, I think Elaine. Declan Drew- McManus. <laughs> Elvis Costello. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Elvis oh, Costello. Yeah. Billy Connolly. Oh, yeah. Yes. John Cleese. Uh, Christine Baranski. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, there was once when uh, uh, William Shatner was on, on the show, and that was always like a wild card because yeah. he's, just, he's just great, but it's like we'd be like, hey, how's it, have you worked with the Shat? No. My scene has not been Shat upon yet. Have you worked with the Shat? But he's like, he was, really, he was really fun, and one day I come in, and they're rehearsing, and it, it's John and William Shatner, and they're like working out this scene, but they're having kind of a disagreement about oh my God, how it's going. And so... Um, I'm like, oh, okay, and I'm sit down, and then it starts getting a little more heated. And I've never seen this from John, like, and all the time, he's just such a nice man, it never happens. And then it's getting really heated. And finally, like, Shatner looks at me and he goes, well, what about you? How do you think the scene should be done? And I, I know I'm gonna see John every day. Yeah. <laughs> and Shatner will be gone on Monday. So I go, well, I think John's way is the best way. And then, uh, they both just start laughing at me, and I realize it's April Fool's Day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they just mess with it. And the worst part is is that I have to spend the rest of the week doing scenes with Shatner with him full on knowing that I threw his ass under the bus. 
<laughs> and they didn't mention a damn thing about him being the big giant head when he went into space. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> that right. yeah. Truly, I mean, Philistines, they don't know what they're they dealing with. But you did April Fool's pranks a lot, I have heard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I was sort of... It's really disgraceful because in the course of those six years, it dawned on me that April Fool's jokes are essentially hostile acts. <laughs> I, but I, it dawned on you after the sixth year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got them every year to the point where I really had to work hard. The, the Shatner argument was the was the great one because it it burst in. It was a like a brush fire that burst into flames at three o'clock on Friday afternoon, which was the network run through. And we roared at each other. It was, Bill considered it his greatest performance. And, and then we stormed Unrecorded. off. We, we just stormed off to our dressing rooms and I said, I am not coming back until that man apologizes. And, and, and everybody was, their, their faces were white. Because we'd already shot a, a preceding episode. There was no way we were going to replace Bill Shatner. Uh, and then we came out with a cake. Wow. Yes, that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I know part of what makes the show so special is that the writers, I mean, just unbelievable work. One thing right. I do want to, we have a special clip that I think we're going to show from a, a, a very well-known writer of the show. So I think if we can. Hi, my name is Will Forte, and I had the privilege oh, no. of being a writer on Third Rock from the Sun for the final two seasons. Uh, some say the best seasons. Uh, I'm sorry that I couldn't be there with you today, but I'm in a Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and I am acting in something in which I play a horrible uh, mistreater of dogs. Um, uh, when I was working there, I had just started out writing uh, it was one of my first jobs, and I came into this situation. I was very nervous, um, and I got to be a part of a show that I had already been watching at home and was a fan of. So it was a, a nerve-wracking experience, and I was surrounded by this team of people, uh, cast, writers, crew, that could not have been more supportive. And uh, and I just thought, oh, this is the way TV shows are. This is what all shows are like. And then you leave there and you find out, oh, this is not how all shows are. And um, it really made me appreciate so much uh, just everything about the show. The, uh, I just wanted all of you there today to know how much you you taught me about how how to be respectful how to be professional uh, that th you can do all these these things and be uh you know be having fun and creating a fantastic show and also just treating everybody with respect at the same time so thank you so much you, it was an experience i'll never forget it was an honor to work with you and and i just i i can't tell you how special it was to get to be a part of the show so thank you for uh for everything that you've done in in educating me uh and, and uh i i again wish that i was there i send you all the best um and uh i love you 
Oh, wonderful. Wow. Can you imagine? That? He got he got to write for John Cleese, and he yeah. created Planet Monkey World. Right. That's right. Yeah, that, that, I believe that was his first episode <laughs> for, for a third. was the one where you broke your foot, no? Could be. I, but, I, but I do know that that young boy was writing comedy yeah. for John Cleese. Oh. Yeah, and Will looks like hammered shit now. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to say <laughs> Did he get a liver transplant recently? <laughs> He's going to be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> One of the other things I like about that clip is that it segues from uh, you doing a terrible prank on the writers to this piece about how respectful. <laughs> but I think it, it does speak to how cohesive you know, the group was, how much you were able to be comfortable with one another. Um, I do think it's important, I mean, there's one significant cast member we really have to um, mention, Jane Curtin, who is so yeah. vital to the show. I know that there was a first pilot that was written, and then, and the Mary character was not there. It was filmed. I it was filmed, yeah. yeah. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about like how the show changed, how it became more grounded when you have that character come in. Yes, th there was a lovely actress who played my assistant. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there was a bit of a potential love relationship there, but she was, a, she was like a shy, tremulous wallflower. Uh, and, uh, and, and we shot the pilot. We all had a good look at it. It didn't quite work. And Bonnie's analysis was Dick Solomon is a tennis ball and he needs a hard wall to bounce off of or he will not bounce. Yeah. And of course they had worked extensively with Jane. They'd written the Coneheads movie and uh, they were very good friends. They called her up and brought her in and we reshot a third of the pilot and suddenly pop. And pop is the word, uh, the moment when we kiss each other. I, I kiss her in the bathroom of a, par of a faculty party and she slaps me. Yeah. And then she kisses me yeah. and I slap her. <laughs> and then as I exit the party, the hostess of the party, the dean's wife, kisses me goodbye and I slap her. <laughs> and that was the shot heard round the world. That was the big punchline of the pilot episode. And it was all Jane, uh, I mean, she was the wall and I was the tennis ball. We'll be right back with more from the Third Rock from the Sun reunion. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam, the soggy morning jog, the why is the dog taking so long, just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high-quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. What?
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to Vulture Festival and the reunion of Third Rock from the Sun. I do have another surprise. We have somebody on Zoom who I think would like to say hello. What? If we can uh, turn on the Zoom. Hey! <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm in the sun right now. <laughs> it's very bright in my house. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the lighting is extraordinary. <laughs> Jane, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I... As I was putting together the clips, uh, and we were t t putting together the clips for the little pre-reel, one of the, my very favorites is this moment when John is wearing these leather pants that make oh. this noise. <laughs> and it seems as though you cannot hold it together. And I I'm, can't. <laughs> I'm, can you talk about, like, who breaks? Did you... Were you constantly trying not to laugh as you were just working on this show? It, well, well, it was a, yeah, that I was, I was constantly trying not to laugh about working on that show. Um, it, it, because it was just so damn funny. And, and with, with this giant man in leather squeaky pants <laughs> trying to make it from point A to point B, it was just too much. I, I, I lost. I mean, of course, of course. Are there other <laughs> scenes? <laughs> are there other scenes that you remember as being like for you? What are the most quintessential Mary scenes? The one that went, went as you look back, you think of as just those. That was the show operating at full speed. I, I think it was. I think it was the show where we're locked in the library. Overnight, oh, yeah. I'm very drunk. And we have to find our way through the heating system and we have to attach ourselves via my pantyhose. So it, it just every moment of that particular show when John and Mary were interacting, I couldn't stop laughing. I, to me, that was just the funny thing in the world. I loved being attached by pantyhose. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit, I mean, for all of you, what was a table read like? They were Wednesdays at 11 a.m. They were, uh, it, 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 we were just, Everybody such, it, we, were, we were such a dream team. Everybody knew exactly what they were doing and the writers had written exactly the right stuff for us. And it, people would just laugh themselves silly. Those we days. never left going, oh, that's a stinker. Like ever, right? Every time no. they were like, oh, that's the funniest thing. It's very no, rare that you work on something where the table read is the reward. Yeah. 
it, it's not the starting off place that you're going to go. It's a reward. It's like getting a cookie. You know, you come in and you're like, oh boy, here we go. You know? So true. And it, 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 we would get it, uh, do our table read, and then you find that you spend most of the week really trying to just get back to the table read. Yeah. Like that's it worked then, and it's like you 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 go off and you you work too hard or you work hard enough, and then suddenly you're you're back at the table read again. It's lovely. But also, and I've found this that I think doing table reads on Third Rock sort of. Um, Ruined it forever because table reads in general <laughs> are not as full on. And I, I think everyone deserves credit for it, but I would single out our captain of the ship here because yeah. when the star of the show comes to a table read and goes 110 fucking percent, <laughs> then everybody has to follow suit. And it's it, and it was like that with the whole show. You really always set the tone that like I am bringing it now, and so we would all like be like, okay, let's go. And and I yeah, it's it's a lot. You oh, dude. Oh God bless you, Joe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I I I tell you, there was a real method to that. I, I felt it was. I've always felt you have to give writers the best possible version of what they've written immediately because they don't have a minute to waste. They got to run out and they got to fix whatever doesn't work. So, I, and these are the best comedy writers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the best yeah. comedy writers. Yeah. Yeah. Our they, writer's room was legendary. Yeah, and, and, and I just felt this, is, this, this table read is a lot of fun for us, but it's essential for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they had to have everything when they left that. Yeah. And yeah. you know, they would go right off and have an hour long note session based on what we had done so we had to but then it's uh, weird to do like as do shows after other projects and like the other actors bring like maybe 20 percent to the re rehearsals and uh, you know again you're overacting you're sweating you know <laughs> and everyone else is phoning it in because you know you're not filming it I, and honestly because it was my first big show too i thought that's what actors were supposed to do <laughs> like show the writers exactly how you're going to do it and it's, that's not the case. But I miss it a lot. But it should be. It should be. Should be. You know, honestly, that every single show I've done has been that way. <laughs> Kate and Allie and Third Rock, those three shows were all, you came in there and you read full out. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of people on Saturday night who didn't. But everybody else did. <laughs> Jane, would you care to elaborate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fine. No. Do it, do it, do it. Uh, so Jane, I, I think in a lot of ways, there are two cores of the show. There's sort of the family core, and then there's like the Mary and Dick core of the show as far as like warmth and like understanding that they could actually want to be human because there is this desire to be with, you know, have this relationship work. It, I, I was, I remember being so struck by like how much they were really hot for each other, you know? And I just, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about, um, when you came in, what you were sort of pitched as the character and how that evolved over time, the relationship between those two characters. Well, I, I don't really remember a pitch so much as um, you would be uh, Dick's love interest. 
you would be working with him and being his love interest. And that was what I understood. Um, but I'm a really good cold reader. And so um, I can I can get what I need from the script. It's all on the page for me. And so I it was right there what I had to do and what Mary had to be. Uh, I didn't see any other way of doing it. It was on the page. So, I mean, that's the writers uh, allowing me to do whatever I do to make that happen. But it was the writers that, that created Mary. Yeah. What were the moments that... Um were there moments between you and like the two of you that we were like, this is the most absurd thing I can ever imagine? It has to have happened constantly. Well, I think there was the farting episode. That's, that <laughs> That's would, what I was yeah, thinking. That would have to be. I mean, that, that featured heavily in the blooper reel at the end of the season. Jane is absolutely the best deadpan face in comedy. There's no question. You know, just hearkening way back to her and Chevy Chase. Uh, but when she bra breaks, it's like the Hoover Dam breaks. She is gone for the next 45 minutes. And it's, it's really the most glorious moment in comedy acting is acting with her when she breaks. That and, has got to be so satisfying. Oh, my God. Well, of course, it was. she was farting. What can I tell you? And, uh, and she could not get through the scene without breaking. And then finally she would get it, and I would break. You know? so the audience, the studio audience, just loved it. They were delirious. I can only imagine. Um, who breaks the easiest of all of you? You know, this was never really a huge problem. Really? No. No. French, it seemed uh, like in that turkey scene. Oh, yeah. Well, there, there are two. Where, uh, yeah, when, when you Jan spit on the break. baby. Yeah, when me and Joey. Yeah, I totally lose <laughs> yeah. it, and they kept <laughs> yeah. it in the show, and it's really <laughs> yeah. embarrassing and unprofessional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we had this scene where, uh, you know, we've been feeding the baby, and the baby's been spitting at us. And then, like yeah, and it's just right there. And finally, I put a big old wad of baby food in my mouth and just spit it on the baby. <laughs> and we just, we couldn't get, we couldn't get over it. We never did. <laughs> We never did. It's still on film. We just we did. We, we never made it. Yeah. Oh. Um, the other thing that the show, I, I it's there's so much physical comedy, pratfalls and dances and like these huge physical scenes, particularly when you were younger. It seems like one episode out of four, they were like throwing you across the set. <laughs> That's right. From behind the couch. Yes. Up and down. Up and down. How, how did you rehearse? Did you get hurt? Like, what was the process of developing sort of the physical language of the show? Yeah, I, it was so, it was such a fun part of it. And I mean, I never did get hurt, but I remember, I don't remember what the bit was, but I remember like the day, because we would shoot on Tuesday nights. And then, uh, and then do table reads on Wednesday morning. And I remember we shot, I forget what it was we shot. And the next day, you had these like gashes on your legs. Oh, I know what that was. It was me shoving you through that cornfield. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I that did it too harsh. And he no, 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 that's the thing. Like with, I spent like half my time, you know, when I'm doing physical comedy, trying to talk somebody into like, oh, just go full out. You won't, you won't hurt me. I never had to do it with her. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Kristen will just slam your head. Hey, go ahead and slam my head on the table. Got it. Bam. <laughs> oh, here, push me through the corn. You got it. There you go, buddy. <laughs> we had we had this fabulous thing that we we only managed to put find about four or five times to put it in. Usually when we saw a spider, when you would leap into my arms, <laughs> just boom, like up in the arms, and suddenly he was in my arms like a little baby with his, with, with, with his, with his feet, with his legs tucked under so him. so fun to do. And bam, it just happened like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember noticing like, whoa, did you actually hurt yourself? And I remember you saying like, yeah, man. <laughs> this is comedy. Let me let me tell you about uh, an actor named Buster Keaton. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had never heard of him. Yeah. I, I these guys taught me so much, right? Like, and he told me about who Buster Keaton was, and I went home and watched Buster Keaton movies. And by the way, I don't know if anybody had the pleasure of seeing French in his Buster yes! Keaton show. Oh, I man. saw it twice. Yeah, it's you. brilliant yeah, but it, it definitely did teach me something about physical comedy and physical acting and you know you try to push it you don't injure yourself I have injured myself a few times and it's your fault honestly <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, but you you know it's kind of part of it. it's like it's like playing a rough game of football or something it might might get a little hurt and you know gotta make them laugh you, you know it's funny it's like uh, when we had uh, China on the the late late great Joni Lauer and uh, I said, hey, can you teach me how to, like, do the, like, can you just pick me up over your head and body slam me? And she goes, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. And so she picks me up. She tells me how to do it. She picks me up, and she slams me down. And, she, and I'm like, oh, God, Joni? And she's like, she's like what, what, what? And I said, I don't, I don't think I did it right. And she said, well, did it hurt? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, then you did it right. Wow. <laughs> Joni. Wow. Oh. Um, I, so we do have to let Jane go. No. I know. But Jane, I wanted to know if there was, the finale of the show is this moment where it's like, finally she, she learns, she's going to go. Can you talk a little, were you, did you have any stakes in like what the end of this character was going to be? Were there things that you talked about or sort of hoped for? You know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't get involved in, in the direction <laughs> the writers wanted to go in. That was their call. Yeah. It was Bonnie and Terry's call. I, I, just, I just went along with them because I, I didn't see Mary leaving Earth yeah. and yet the possibility was there. I, so it could go either way. I didn't want to sway it. I was up for anything. Yeah. It sort of made me sad that I would never see him again. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> well... <laughs> We are so glad that we could see you. Yeah. And well, it's, we want to thank you so much. Jane Curtin, everyone. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, she looks like shit. <laughs> back on the sauce. Oh, well. <laughs> I should have realized I was setting you up for that. I feel bad. Um, so I have a couple of, like, you know, questions about as like, where did that? Where did the salutes come from? Oh, yeah. uh, we came yeah. up with that. Um, the one of those, the first five episodes, and you and I were like, how do we? Do, how should we do this? I think it was in the writing, but then then John said, what if we do a backwards one or something like that? Or no, you did the head, I and then I, I was like, yeah. So we came up with it in rehearsals. Basically. It in was rehearsals. It was an episode where I was going on a trip to Chicago, 
and, and we had to figure out how to say goodbye, you know, you know, take care of the troops while I'm gone, you know, just something very martial. Yeah. It, it literally happened like that, yeah. and then of course it was set in concrete for yeah. the next six years. Yeah. In fact, about three or four times a week <laughs> when I walked down the street <laughs> yeah. of a Midwestern city. <laughs> Wow. Um, I, I'm really curious. Uh, I know that because you were so young and, you know, you were working with these more experienced people and comedy timing and just, I, I, you talked a little bit about, you know, Buster Keaton and things, but I wondered if you could just talk a little bit more about what you were able to learn just for, like watching everyone as you were sort of figuring out like how this was going to go. Yeah, I, I I always even when even when I was a little kid, I always wanted acting to be real. I was really kind of um, I don't know purist about that or something. Third Rock from the Sun was just not real at all, and so it's a whole nother style of doing it that I think is maybe more rooted in the theater. And I didn't come from the theater. I grew up here, like working on TV and commercials and things like that. And they all came from the theater. And so I feel like nowadays, when I, when I speak to theater actors, I feel at home, actually. I feel like I'm, I'm amongst family, even though I've still never really done a lot of theater other than this show where we would get up in front of an audience week after week. And I feel like I, I learned about what that means to play to a crowd and to get a laugh and to know how to time that. I completely didn't know how to do that before spending all these years with them. And Joe was amazing, like, as a 13-year-old. I mean, yeah. he was so mature, so funny, so smart. He was right there with us the whole time. Yeah, he was kind of an old man in a young person's body. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he also was cool, like, off, you know, off the set. Like, if you, you know, if you'd recommend a book to him, he would come, like, a week later having read it and wanting to talk to you about it. Yeah. Just, like, a great kid. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, but, and, and we would have been and, so screwed if he had not been like, oh, yeah. like it was some horrible stage mother and like some little diva kid and oh, it would have been horrible. And he was so. uh, again. I go back to that to the casting session where Joe came in. I, I don't know what your recollection of it was, Joe. Uh, I can't. I have to restrain myself from calling him Joey. Call me Joey. I love yeah, it. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but he walked in, and he was a good three years younger than anybody else we had seen. And he read the scene, and it, the scene suddenly made sense. There was the funny, a little old man in, in, a, in, a, in a 13-year-old's body. Yeah. And it just burst. And Joe says he has not done theater. Well, he did. He had that sense when he was working with us. And after about three seasons, he went off during a hiatus and he did a play. Yeah, like yeah. he almost assigned that to himself. Yeah. And you so, all came to see it. And it, me it meant so much. Right. I, absolutely. Yeah. I remember but that. It's yeah. amazing because he, uh, the thing is he always had integrity. Because I remember even early on, they were they were really beating the drum like for him to do Tiger Beat yeah. and Teen Beat, and he just didn't <laughs> he want it. That? He oh was like, God. I don't want it. And James Anderson, the publicist, he'd be like, please, can you? And he's like, nope, don't want it. <laughs> and so then they finally, like James had been beating it and beating it, and finally, you know, he says, look, just do it once, Joe. Just do it once, and I'll never ask you again. And Joe goes, all right, fine, I'll do it once. And so on the day we're sitting there and everybody's having interviews on the set, and I'm sitting next to Joe, and I know what's coming. 
And so I've got my popcorn ready. And I just can't wait. And so some guy comes in, he's like 60, he's from Tiger Beat or something. He's like, hey, Joe, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And they asked him, like, he's like, well, uh, what do you want to say to your fans like, who watch the show? And Joey says, well, you know, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I'm really proud of it. And, and I'm like, okay, so far so good. And he said, well, what do you want to say to the readers of our magazine? And then there's this long pause. And then Joey goes, I, I don't, like, why are you reading that? Like, why are you reading that? Like, like, what is, like, there's nothing in there. There's like a cover and a cover, and then it's just a bunch of pictures of kids. I don't get it. I don't get it. And so the guy keeps trying to ask Joe questions, and Joe's like, it's the same thing. And then finally he gets to the end. He's like, all right, one last question. I'll just do a fastball down the middle. Joey, what's your favorite color? And then I hear all the air leave Joe's body, and he goes, ah. Let's go with blue. What the fuck? <laughs> so, um, what's your favorite color? Uh, the color of French's eyes. Uh. Oh, wow. Okay, so... <laughs> how will I move on? Um... French, so I know one of the things uh, that is, like, looking back, so intensely important about your character is the clothing that you would have him in. I'm can you talk a little bit about, like, the process of designing that outfit and, like, whether there were sort Lena. of key pieces for you that were really meaningful? Well, uh, again, it was uh, Johnny Thome and Melina Root. I mean, like, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I would just walk in, and they would throw stuff on me. And, like, sometimes it'd be like they made a vest out of one of those... Uh, like shag toilet covers, seat covers. <laughs> and I'm all like, hmm, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I do have one favorite piece, and uh, I stole it off the set, and I brought it here. So, oh my do goodness, we have it? yeah. Is it backstage? Do you think? Uh, I think I would hope something, so. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. <gasps> there we go. Ah, oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, it still fits. <laughs> wow. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. There are three of them, and uh, I, I just walked off with one of them. I, di I didn't ask because I didn't Can want the answer the to be no. Too? No. I, I, oh, maybe I did. I think you took the no. I think I did, too. Why are you trying to frame me? I don't know. know you did it. I, I thought one of us did. Were there other things that anyone took from set? It had to have been so emote. Did you take anything from? I set? brought. I brought a thing <gasps> that yeah that I want to show. This isn't actually from set, but this is from those days. This is um. I have it here. This is a CD. <gasps> oh, Which, tell me what is a CD yeah, first no, so of all. If we're gonna have a like a night where we're you know nostalgic for the '90s, a CD should probably be a part of it. Um. This is something the French gave me for my birthday Aww. when I was like, I don't know, 15 or something like that. And uh, this is, you know, back in the days when you could give somebody music as a thing, yeah. like, and hand it to them. And uh, okay. this is um, Doolittle by the Pixies. And uh, I, never, I never knew, I didn't know who the Pixies were. And he was just like, I think you'll like this. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so this is it. And... What's fun is then about 10 or 12 years later or so, 
Um, I was I was in a movie called Five Hundred Days of Summer, and uh, thank you, thank you. And uh, and I there's a karaoke scene in it, and in the script it was written that my character was going to sing a Rolling Stones song, which is way too expensive for a little movie like that. So we were trying to come up with what song the character was going to sing, and we ended up landing on a song from Here, Here Comes Your Man. Um, and, uh, and I sang it in, in that movie, and I, the first time I ever heard that song was because you gave me this CD for my birthday. Oh, and oh, like I said, I said earlier, I learned so much from these people, so yes, We started just trading music, because then you mm -hmm. gave me the no effects, like, yeah, right. disc, and we just started <laughs> trading stuff. We kind of, uh, we just became brothers, because a lot of time we were, uh, you know, on like the B story together or the C story <laughs> where, you know, you've got a scene, a scene, and then another scene. It was always really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me back my fucking coat. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Did anyone else take things from set? Were there like, uh, there has to have been objects that were, you know, you were fond of that were emo. Did you take any of Sally's clothes? Yes, I took, I took all of her pants. <laughs> Which unfortunately, I have one pair. For like, <laughs> they only fit for like six months after the show, and then I, I had to give them away. But yeah, I loved her clothes. I loved them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd still wear them today if I could fit into them. I would. I mean, she was a badass. She. Absolutely. Oh, was. I took her boots. Yeah, she wore the same pair of boots for years. Oh, so. as a matter of fact, I have, I do have something. I have a pair of Sally boots that fit me <laughs> because there was an episode where we switched bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I haven't, I haven't had no occasion to wear them in all these. Years. I should have worn them tonight. There was a wonderful episode uh, in which I got to to act with Wayne in the character of Sally uh, without revealing my secret. Remember that? And the, the, the most vivid scene was when we peed together at two adjoining urinals. And I looked longingly down at him. <laughs> so awful, just awful. I was gonna ask about that episode because you do such a great job of performing each oh, other. Why, thank you. Oh, it was, it was great. It was so Just much. Just getting to do him. <laughs> and to like. do her. Was there like a tape? Do you remember there being like, okay, this is the thing that is like, this is how they will know that I am him? I think it was posture. Yeah. You know, and then I remember, you know, uh, I remember just being able to say, like, oh, my God, I'm gorgeous. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Best line ever. I, but I don't remember much else about it. Just being unable to walk in the heels. Like, it was really fun. How did you, how did, what, what was the key to being her? Oh, I think just watching her, her posture and, and her, her stride and putting on those boots very early on. That was the key to it. And just, I mean, it was wonderful. It was so wonderful. It's a great episode. It was yeah. fun. And then acting together with him as me and yeah. me as him. Yeah, and it was like, right. <laughs> Wayne, it must have been like very strange scenes to then shoot where she's... Oh, not at all. <laughs> uh, because, you know, John and I make out all the time anyway. Sure. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, I mean, I think one of the things about Third Rock is that you're in a playpen when you go in. 
And there's nothing that you can't do or nothing that you can't see or watch somebody else do. And that's what was part of the incredible joy of doing that show. It, it literally was like an alternate universe where people were actually nice <laughs> and, uh, and happened to be actors as well, <laughs> which is like... And, and Wayne and I got to play good cop, bad cop together. Yes. That, and that's one of my favorite episodes. I love that. That's funny. I, I feel the same yeah, way because, about that Because too. both of us wanted to be the bad cop and, <laughs> and, and, and we would argue oh god that was great one thing that i did not realize when i was watching the show the first time and was noticing when i come when i went back to it um there is a recurring character in the classroom scenes leon who you berate yes. who is your son in real life <laughs> right <laughs> how yeah. did that happen how, what that was just you know i didn't i didn't uh, campaign for him i didn't suggest him uh bonnie just came up with the idea and he came in and he read just as he would have to he read he's so funny too he, i'm sorry he would have like one line and you he just, always yeah. killed he yeah. just yeah. always killed and it was wonderful to have him around all those students were so great. Yeah, Chris Hogan. Yeah. yeah. And Dave DeLuise. And Alyssa. And also, we should not conclude a Third Rock reunion without at least mentioning the brilliant Elmarie Wendell. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Unfortunately, I think passed soul. away a few years ago. But, yeah. oh, my God, Mrs. Dupchak, just one of the all-time yeah. greats. And, and Simbi. And lest we forget Simbi Kali. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. just the episode where... She's moving, and the I. Oh that's, yes, I love that one so much. Oh, um, oh yeah. <laughs> so, I, as we're sort of closing out, I I thought as I was going through, there are all of these episodes that take on really big, interesting, like subversive and like thoughtful ideas. There's an episode about voting. There's episodes about race, or gender. Are there any of those that you were particularly excited about? Were you sort of thinking about like, wow, this is wild. They're letting us put this on television. These sort of big, interesting, meaty topics that you got a chance to really wrestle and play with in a way that made them sort of fun and exciting. Oh, gosh, there are just so many of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love examining things that all that we human beings completely take for granted like dreaming like aliens discovering what's this thing that happens when we're asleep the the brilliant uh and, dreaming and the, episode and this part of the dreaming yeah your paws yes right <laughs> the dog dreaming yes yes <laughs> but I, I it won emmy awards for cinematography and design and lighting it was just it's extraordinary or Mentioning Simbi, I discovered sexual fantasies, and I, I acted. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how the plot worked, <laughs> but uh, no, I guess we enacted my sexual fantasies with Simbi. Yeah. Uh, just little things like that, <laughs> and then uh, and then the episode of tipping. I mean, you go from great big mysterious things like dreaming to the the nonsense of figuring out how much to tip. Every and waiter. Also, it's, there, it's still, but like there was somebody shared a clip with me recently where we're, you and I are at the DMV, I think. We're like, God, going through all this to get a driver's license. Can you imagine what we have to go through to get a gun or something? Yeah. <laughs> it was better written than that. But I mean, I was like, God, yeah. it's so, it, it still carries today yeah. so much of the things that they navigated. Well, there was still, some, there's some great, like, kind of dangerous jokes because when, uh, 
Jan Hooks, who's like, you know, ah. But she, yeah, uh, just Jan, like, you know, Vic, Vicky Dubchek gets pregnant and Harry's like standing there. She's like in the, she's, she's in the hospital and she's pregnant and she says, Harry, like I ran out of cigarettes. Could you go get me some cigarettes? And I say, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get you a, a pack. You're, you're smoking for two now. <laughs> but it was just really thrown away. But I'm like, I don't think you could do that anymore. I really, I doubt it. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it was a wonderful uh, pendulum swing between just very smart and very stupid. That's the best. And, and That's our brand at Vulture. Yeah. Very smart and very stupid. And, and, and it, was, it also functioned as a kind, it was a wonderful family show because like, a, like an English pantomime, yeah. there were jokes that would hit in ex at exactly the same moment for two different audiences yeah. for two different yeah. reasons. So my, my final question as I was thinking about the show, um, you also have such fun with like very topical things that when you look back, you're like, wow, it was really 2000, wasn't it? Like there's a Y2K episode, there's a Beanie Babies episode, which was maybe my favorite. If Third Rock were on now, what would the Solomons be, what would be a topical Third Rock Solomons? Would they all be trying to figure out TikTok dances? Would it be, you know... Dick Solomon on social media would not go over well. <laughs> 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 oh, man. You know, this is such a great question for the writers because they must oh, think yes. about this all the time. Any thoughts, anyone? It's... All right, well, we'll put you on this. <laughs> You're welcome to. But yeah. I mean, just imagine going through life sing thinking, oh, I could be writing about thir that for Third Rock right now. It's almost though like society has gotten so bizarre yeah. that you couldn't satirize it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'd have to just depict it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. The landscape has changed, unfortunately. The landscape. Well, I mean, I think that speaks to what an incredibly special thing it was mm -hmm. and how lucky we all are that it was something that we could all share. And I think, I think that's the note when I have to say thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you. thank you so, so much. Thank you. Wonderful job. Yes. Wonderful well question. That's it for another episode of Good One. Stream Third Rock from the Sun on Peacock. Subscribe to the specials on patreon.com slash the specials. Follow Catherine on social media at Aaron. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. God Mishrikashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture in the Box Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week. Have a good one. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. 
In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.